Holder Vlad here. Welcome to Cat Pick Friday's episode number 36. Yes, 36. Again, cheating by checking the episode numbers. And once again, I'm joined by Mr. Richard Morgan. Hello. Good day to you, Vlad, and everybody watching this or listening to this. I hope you're all well. I hope so too. We are also trying something new and special because we're live on a group that was just created few days ago and more on that in just a second but yeah what's going on with you rich not much i'm very tired this morning i was on the blue guitar live stream last night where i absolutely butchered playing back in black by acdc for the world <laughs> so that's out there if you want to go watch that oh, it wasn't that bad but we did a very fun episode where we talked about different guitar pickup types so we had about we had about 10 different guitars in there. We had a Strat and a Tele and uh, my Epiphone SG with P90s and a 60s 335. And we'd borrowed an Ibanez RG to do the Active EMG thing. And it was quite cool. But yeah, a nice performance nice. back in black to kick things off with. And it was, it was fun. It was a fun show. <laughs> but it went on for two hours and 40 minutes. So it was a, it was a long one. Hence my, yeah, hence my tiredness this morning. So I need some yeah, coffee to perform. It it takes you a bit of time to get home as well, right? It does. It takes like the best part of an hour to drive back after the show, which finishes mm. at about, I think we were done at about half past 10. So then you stay a little bit, you clear things up, you talk a little bit. Then you drive back and it's like minus three degrees. And um, the route that I have to drive is like basically, it's not a flat, nice motorway or something. It's up and down little roads. And it was really foggy last night. And there's always deer jumping out of the woods and stuff. It's not like a computer yeah. game or something where every day I see a massive deer jumping out in front of me, but that stuff <laughs> does happen. So you've got to be really careful. And you, you're driving yeah. super concentrated as well. And then you just fall into bed, get up and do Cat Pick Fridays on Thursday. Yeah. So I'm confused. Well, I'm glad you're able to show it anywhere. But yeah, I know like, uh, does Germany have like, is it mandated to have some sort of winter tires now? Because in Finland, that kicked yes. in about a week ago. I Well, as long as I've known Germans and Germany, it's been a thing. So we've had our winter yeah. tires on for the past few weeks. And it does make a difference, you know, when it goes down and freezes. And in the UK, that's not a thing. So you drive the same tires mm. all year round. I mean, it never really gets as cold there or as warm, but still. Mm. I, I like having that. It's an extra layer of security. Yeah, definitely. I like uh, the highway that's nearby us, and like we use that to drive almost any place. Uh, there's like a design floor where kind of the water kind of packs into some of the places, and if it freezes during the night, it means that there's ice on a highway, and you can drive like hundred kilometers on that or something like that. And if you <laughs> you have summer tires, that's incredibly dangerous. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think in Germany tires. you can get in a lot of trouble if you're caught driving mm -hmm. summer tires and cause an accident in the winter or something. Yeah, same here. Yeah. So goodness, we both have our winter tires. And yeah, fun show today as well. And we're going to start by, well, first of all, let's say hi to Rick, who's saying hi to us already, uh, for whatever hi, reason. Hi Rick, is it Rick Hollis? So, yes, though Facebook, Facebook for user. whatever reason says it's Facebook user. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, it's Rick Hollis, who unfortunately was in a, According to his social media, he had some trouble with the second vaccine shot. So 
Yeah, get I just well, saw Rick. That this hope you're doing when, better. When I logged in, yeah, hope you're well, Rick, and on the mend, and everything runs smoothly from now on. I'd hope to get to yes. see you at some point, whenever oh, that yeah. might be a Absolutely. thing. Who knows? Absolutely, <laughs> totally agree. Yeah, so we're going to talk about the new Get Studios Elite group. What is it? You're going to find out in a few seconds. And before I forget again. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and, well, all podcast platforms, basically. And if you want to be part of the questions and comments thingy, you can email us at podcast at catpixstudios.com. And what else? A bunch of different ways to support the show in the show notes. And also there's timestamps to different sections of the show. So if there's something that you're really interested in, Feel free to jump there as well. And yeah, Rick says, thanks guys, I'm all good now. That is awesome. So really happy to hear that. Yeah, yeah good we're going to talk about the boss FZ, or would you say FZ? Who says Z? British say FZ. FZ. Yes, good. I'm learning something. W, so there was an edition. I'm actually pretty damn excited about the pedal. Uh, there's hand-painted PRSs, uh, limited edition pink PRSs, then there's virtual Jeff. <laughs> Some free sample packs that I actually downloaded yesterday and tried out a little bit already. Rich's album pick of the week, and also Somebody Hates Everything. That's the Weekend Watch teaser. Oh, and we're going to answer some of your questions and comments as well. And especially since we have a bit of live audience going on, feel free to ask any questions there. Oh, Rick comments that Aussies also say Z. So, yeah. I, well, I grew up watching know, Dragon Ball Z, they, so it's really tough for me to go Dragon Ball Z now. So, See, I think some <laughs> English people would even say Dragon Ball Z as opposed to Dragon Ball Z, but I know people who say yeah. Z as well. I'm not surprised Australians say Z because, of course, they descend from... The Brits. So, well <laughs> yes, done. They do. <laughs> well done descending from the Brits. Uh, what? All right. Enough of that. Uh, let's jump to recent happenings and talk about things that have happened recently. I'm on fire today again. Pew, pew. Yeah. First of all, as I mentioned, Catpix Studios elites what is it it's a facebook group as i mentioned in my uh like how should i call it announcement post uh i'm about eight years late creating a facebook group but i finally made it happen and a bunch of you lovely people have already joined there which is super super cool there's i don't know 70 80 people some something like that already and that group has been up for like two days or so so awesome and actually, the comments we are getting to the show are from that group. So if you want to be part of the Elite Catpick Studios team, just search Catpick Studios Elites on Facebook, submit your membership request, and it will let you in, unless you're a spam bot or something like that. So, yeah, please join us. It's fun. Uh, I plan to be a bit more transparent in that group of like what what I'm doing, what I'm working on. Uh, maybe ask you some questions. You can ask me questions there. We can just chat about anything else. 
there's well guitar gear, songwriting, anything like that. I want to make it a fun place to hang out. And honestly, I feel uh, Facebook groups are like the only good thing about Facebook or Meta, whatever it is nowadays. That's like the only good thing about the whole platform. Because I, for example, really, really enjoy the 60 Cycle Hum group. I enjoy like Two Notes group. I enjoy the Rev group because like people chat there. It's fun. It's polite. You get your questions answered in a polite and friendly manner and yeah i hope cat pick studios elites despite its name <laughs> will be a friendly place for everyone as well <laughs> so do i i'm a fresh member i'm one of the elite now i like the name yeah and it's it's nice to see how many people have jumped in and joined straight away yeah that's pretty cool like you said i think facebook groups was a very big thing in the last uh you know six, seven years. Facebook is kind yes. of, you know, for brands and people doing marketing on there, it's kind of going downhill a bit. And now, of oh, yeah, course, they have rebranded as Meta, as the uh, the corporate identity, which, you know, that doesn't have anything to do with Facebook groups, but still. Cool. I'm looking forward to see what you post in there. I know you as a man of mystery, and I'm excited to see this new <laughs> transparent Vlad. Yes, you won't be able to see me soon. That's how transparent I plan to be. Mm, wow. Yeah. Um, I definitely didn't have a like a stressful morning today where my internet connection was broken. Again, I've spent like 15 hours over the past few weeks trying to figure out what on earth is going on with my internet connection. So, yay, fun. But yeah, there's that. Let's jump to some gear stuff and go with Boss FZZ. Up to you, how you want to call it. Uh, FZ1 was an edition. And yeah, I'm excited about this one. This is a like, I know the original one, and it's such a fun sounding pedal. And it's boss. It means it's going to be good. And I just really, really like all of these Warcraft re releases. I mean, they are pricier, sure, but they are good. What is the original? So, was it the FZ2? Or was there an FZ1? Let's see, because uh, for whatever reason, it actually reminds me, there's actually like FZ2, there's FZ5 as well. But then there's a digital version of, as well, unless I'm wrong, like... Yeah. Yeah, so FZ... There's an FZ5 which has like three different fuzzes in it. For example. Yeah. And that's digital actually. But this is FZ1. Okay, and this is fully analog. And what this reminds me of, and I'm pretty sure what Boss is trying to do with this, is go after the audience that they created with the recent TB2 Wazza Tone Bender pedal. And yes. that was a pedal that was released in pretty limited quantities, sold out straight away, and is now being resold by scalpers for about four or five times its original value. Mm. I actually googled that pedal this morning, and there is even a couple of German dealers who've got it advertised for like 950 euros. And I don't know if they what? bought them from Boss and have massively put the prices up, or if They've had them, you know, from someone who bought it from them and now they're selling it secondhand or whatever. 
But I feel like that is the worst kind of opportunism. I'm not a fan of that at all. <laughs> yeah. And so I bit. feel like, you know, the the T double the T B two W tone bender, the Waza tone bender fuzz that they did is slightly different to this one, but it looks very similar. And the the tone bender version was of course a germanium fuzz, and this one is a silicon fuzz. Yep. If I've got that right. So they are going to be slightly different, but both do that vintage fuzz thing. And I'm guessing that Boss have learned a lot from their collaboration with the Solar Sound guys who were behind the Tone Bender pedal. And this will probably be a really, really good piece of gear. I've watched the demo videos. There's a really tasteful Boss demo video with a, a guy I don't know playing some guitar, some pretty understated vintage stuff, and then some heavier stuff as well. And it sounds fantastic. So I'm really yep. looking forward to getting my hands on one of these. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be available till next year, based on the oh. shipping dates from some stores that I've looked at. 12 to 15 weeks is the kind quote that I'm getting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, apparently, according to the article on gainews.com, this isn't like a reissue of anything they've had before. It's like its own thing. But this one is fully analog. So yeah, as I mentioned, like the FZ... Five is a very popular fast pedal, and I believe they've sold a lot of these. But that was like three different fuzzes modeled, so like a digital pedal, which by the way sounds amazing. A friend of mine ha has one, and I've kind of been wanting to get one because it just sounds really, really good. And it's both so it, you usually get your money's worth. Yeah, obviously with the build quality as well and stuff like that. But yeah, this is kind of... Uh, feels like it's leaning to the homage thing, but it's still its own original thing. And I kind of like that. Yeah, and of course, being a wiser pedal, you also have the two modes. You have a vintage and a modern mode. So it's got that yeah. little extra bit of versatility too. So it, it should be a very cool pedal. It should be a lot of fun. And I do still yeah. feel like, just looking at the page that you're scrolling down right now, this is definitely something Boss have planned before the Tone Bender fuzz came yeah. out from them. And they're making the most of this. And I think a lot of people will buy this pedal. And particularly a lot of people who were super frustrated not to get the chance to get the, the TB2 Tone Bender version will mm. now have the chance to play and own one of these for 200 euros, which is the, the European price that they're going to be going for. Which is quite a lot yeah, of money for a pedal, for a boss sure. pedal as well. But, you know, I'm not sure if they've been sourcing vintage parts for this one. Maybe they have, maybe they haven't. It's not in the blurb that mm. we've seen. Either way, another new, old, cool fuzz pedal for us all to try out. Yeah, new, old. And it's made in Japan. Exactly. We see there from the sticker, oh. so that's a, another yeah. factor for the price. Yeah, I really like anything made in Japan, like guitars and pedals and stuff, because that's, that's just like a certain feel. Like immediately when you pick that thing up, it they usually feel like super solid, well-crafted. Obviously pricey as well, but still. Yeah, I think this looks cool. Can't wait to try one out in 12 to 15 weeks. <laughs> 12 to 15 weeks. So, oh, they're going to miss the Christmas sales with that this. That kind of sucks. To be and honest. the NAM show sales. I mean, the NAM show's not happening, mm. but 12 weeks, that would be after NAM, wouldn't it? 
Wait. Yes, definitely. November, December, it's November eleventh already. Yeah, it, it's about Nam January time. Actually, that's about twelve weeks. So this yeah. is probably when this pedal was originally supposed to be released. Mm. Yeah, I like it. Exciting times. There are so many cool in... pedals in the Waza range. You've got so many oh, options yeah. now. I think they're doing a really good job with it. Yeah, the thing is, like, uh, the more I try Boss pedals, the more I'm growing to love what they do and I'm almost leaning towards building like a full boss fanboy pedal board at some point just because yeah why not they just work they just work <laughs> kind of like uh, is that a slogan by some other company I'm not sure anyway let's not dive into that anymore any deeper something like that let's jump to PRS Custom Tremonti Limited Edition Look at that. What's what's on the guitar? There's like a skull thing going on. A skull and some nice flowery lines. That mm -hmm. is beautiful. I mean, what's, I was what's talking the about the... Yeah, it's hand-painted custom Chimonti Joe Fenton limited edition. I am not familiar with Joe Fenton. I'm guessing he paints guitars. Uh, oh yeah, there's a picture of something so. that Joe that Joe has painted for Tremonti before. Well, that's quite something. There's like eyes and skulls and that's a heavy metal guitar. Let's put it that way. Kind of beautiful, but also a little bit disturbing. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me quite strongly of. Oh, I can't remember the name of the painter. Is it Hieronymus Bosch who does those or did those kind of deathly paintings? Could I'm going to have to look at that later, but it reminds me of those. If I can find the link, I'll put it in the Facebook group or something. Yeah. I mean, I guess I kind of appreciate Oh, well, there's more of these paintings. Wait, is each of these guitars unique? Cause we're not, it looks we're like, like it, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, if that's true, that's really... You know what? They are. Damn. Okay, that that one I like even more. It has no skull. This has a skull. <laughs> I'm not anti-skulls, but I wouldn't want to pay... Actually, I need to check how much this costs, because... Uh, £12,000 or so. Mm -hmm. it, it certainly isn't free. That it isn't, but it's extremely exclusive. In fact, it's oh, unique yes. because they're all a bit different. So this is a true collector's edition. I don't think anyone will be yeah. buying more than one of these. And I don't think once these have been bought, we'll ever see any of them again because no one will be taking these out to gig or anything like that. Yeah, it's the kind of thing you'd see on the wall at the Hard Rock Cafe or something like that. Yeah, that's the They're thing. They're all very all... skull and death themed as well, which I feel <laughs> is quite negative. But I guess you kind know, of. black finished Tremonti designs. I just googled Hieronymus Bosch, and there are some uh, some paintings that he's done. The Triumph of Death being the most famous, the one that I mm. remember seeing, and actually. On closer inspection, it doesn't remind me of this guitar that much. It must be oh. another painting I'm thinking of. But 
I'm sure that's yeah. where the artist here took some of his influence anyway. It would be interesting to know what exactly PRS were going for with this. You know, if they just, mm. you know, met the painter and said, hey, do you want to do a run of 20 guitars? Or if he went to them and said, I've got a great idea to do this, to, to tell a story through artwork on a line of Tremonti guitars or something. I don't know. Yeah, maybe Mark is the one who like really loves the painter or something. <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of cool. Oh yeah, there you go. Look at the there's a little quote there. Back in 2014, Mark Tremonti yeah. had a guitar painted by the English artist Joe Fenton. It was a bit of an internet sensation in guitar circles at the time. Creating a design for a guitar is really enjoyable, Joe is quoted as saying. PRS guitars are a work of art in themselves. I approached designing each guitar as if I was embellishing a jewel with the shape of the guitar informing the final design. <laughs> so there you go. And if you guys go to the link that Vlad's going to have in the show notes, you'll be able to see pictures of all 20 guitars. Indeed. Very much a, a taste thing, I would say. Oh, yes. Who knows? Maybe, maybe Mr. Tremonti himself will get one or two of these just to hang on the walls of his presumably large home. <laughs> yep. I mean, I don't see myself buying one, but I know some people will absolutely love this. So, nice. That's not the worst just piece imagine, of art to have on your wall. You know, yeah, if I were to buy one or win one or whatever, I know I wouldn't be able to play it because the bit, the part of the guitar where my forearm rests, my right arm to play, is exactly where the most intricate parts of the artwork are. And I'd feel like I would destroy it very, very quickly. Mm. And of course, if but you if it's had this guitar and then played it, it would lose value immediately. So. These yeah, are not be. built to be played, are they? Not sure, but also I was going to mention that here as finishes are designed, like all the polyurethane finishes at least, are designed in a way where they really, really don't wear out. Like I think Paul has said that yeah. he wants to make guitar, build guitars that uh, look brand new two, three, four years in. So... Yeah, you, but, you quite often see threads on forums where people ask, have you ever seen a Relic PRS? Yeah. <laughs> you don't. There are a couple out there, but I've never seen a, a good one. I've seen a few which have had natural wear and tear over a decade mm. or so, and they look pretty cool, but PRS is kind of a brand where you want it to be pristine, I think. Mm. So It's not like yeah. a, you know, a classic-looking Gibson or something. They They want to be shiny and new and with such beautiful flame maple tops and artworks in this case, you don't want to get them scratched. So it's good Indeed. that they don't have nitro on them, I guess. Mm, yeah, definitely. Uh, with like Gibson Les Pauls, the idea is that it will wear out over time. Like I think actually, yeah. like even if you don't do anything for the git or with the guitar, like nitro would still kind of wear out and change a little bit over the time. But yeah, especially if it's of, in the light. Yeah. Yes. So. It's a different approach. I can see both, like why people like either. So, why not if you have the means? Uh, moving on to a little bit more affordable PRSs. PRS uh, adds a new limited edition pink Lotus model to its SEP20E parlor range. So, we're talking about an acoustic guitar and like a smaller body one as well. And it's pink. And it looks cool. And it's an SE model, so the price was, yes, 579 on Thorman. 
let's check the availability quickly as well. Um, available right away. There you go. Five seventy nine shipped to Finland. I kind of like this. Looks cool. It's a pink guitar. Yeah, it's again something which is very much a niche item. I would say. I really like the color mm, of it. Yeah. Yeah. And me too. It's quite rare to see acoustic guitars in different, interesting colors. You know. Mm. Often people choose between a mahogany or a spruce or a cedar top. And that's about it. Yep. You don't see that many finished guitars. I mean, Fender do a line, the Sonoran ones have colors. But generally, more serious acoustic guitars just have the wood because that's what you know is responsible for the sounds and so on. And putting more finishes on it restricts the, the acoustic vibrations and the tones and so on and so on. Yep. So this is very cool. I feel like they're definitely targeting a certain market segment with these guitars. I don't want to get John into any... Mayer fans. Gender-based discussions or John Mayer-based <laughs> discussions about this guitar, but I definitely feel like they know exactly what they're doing and there will be a certain group of people who will snap these up. It's probably a very good yes. performing guitar. For 580 euros, we can expect a solid top, a solid back as well. Uh, sides, probably not solid. It's got a Fishman GT1 pickup system in it, so you can gig with it as well. The one thing which I don't like about it visually is the fact that it has the same headstock as an electric PRS. Mm. It doesn't fit for me. Yeah, let's check out the Tolman picks here. Yet, I think that works better. <clears throat> like, I was pretty close to buying the like a Dreadnought version of a PRS acoustic some years ago, and I really like the sound. On those, <clears throat> excuse me, I feel on those the headstock works better than on this one. Uh, uh, I think it's still it's fine, but not amazing. When you yeah. look at those pictures with that headstock and with the birds as well, it almost looks like an electric neck that's been photoshopped onto a, a pile-sized acoustic. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, I totally. But agree I'm sure on that, that also makes it very easy to play for an acoustic yeah. guitar as well. So these are probably great. Something yep. else I would be interested to try, but I suspect there won't be any anywhere near me in, in this corner of Germany. So, Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, going to prophesize here and say that half of these guitars, like the first song that will be played on them will be a very poor attempt on Neon by John Mayer. Just saying. Everyone's going to try it once. I'm like, nope, still can't play it, even though I got the pink guitar. I'm sorry, John Mayer fans. I also like John Mayer, but yeah. It's it's both with him and Joe Bonamassa. People just go crazy about anything they do and follow them pretty fondly or something like that. Uh, yeah. But yeah. this is not officially anything to do with John Mayer, is it? The, he's not involved no. in the design or the... It's not named after him at all. No, it's just yeah. influenced well, I think the, by yeah by him. For, yeah, the first pink guitar that's been released by PRS has been the John Mayer signature, though I think the Silver Sky. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of blame him for that and for this one as well now, even though they, they might not be in any way related, but I still do. Okay, interesting. <laughs> It comes with a gig bag as well. I see. Oh, that's I like cool. that. I think Essie's actually come with a very decent gig bag as well. So yeah, 
579, I think it's probably is a good deal. Actually, we I think we have a PRS dealer here in town nearby. So if they get any of these, I want to go and try one out. Though it might be sold by that time already. So yeah, who knows? We'll Limited to 2,500 of these worldwide. worldwide. Which, which doesn't Something sound that, that limited to me, but, you know, lots uh, of people buy acoustic guitars. 2,500 yeah, could go pretty fast. And I don't know how many will even come to Europe. Could just yeah, be a few hundred. Mm. Yeah. And also, like, it's holiday season. People are shopping for all kinds of Christmas gifts. So... Good time to release and fa a fairly affordable while that gigable guitar. Well done, PRS. Thumbs up from yep. me. I just remembered our rating system that's not based on anything. So thumbs up from me. Very good. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> All right. Before we jump to the next section and talk about the virtual Jeff, uh, a word from our sponsor. I guess it's technically a sponsor. You can become a good songwriter, but in order to get there, there's something you need to do. Write a lot of songs. Songwriting is often portrayed as something that only people with special talent can do. But in reality, it's as most things in life. The more you do it, the better you'll get at it. However, finishing a first song can be a challenge. And even if you manage to write your first song, doing that on a consistent basis is hard. That's where Get Songs Done can help you. Get Songs Done is a songwriting course that teaches you new, structured songwriting method that guarantees you will finish your song every time. Get Songs Done was born from a real-life situation of having a family and a day job, but still wanting to write and release songs. The songwriting method makes sure that whether you have 30 minutes or 3 hours at your disposal, you'll always know what to do next. I am not telling you what to write, but I am showing you how to structure your songwriting process so you can actually finish the song. We'll go from different ways of coming up with song ideas to creating a rough song structure, arranging your ideas into a well-flowing song and adding those sweetening details to make it sound exciting and professional. During the course, I will put everything I teach into practice and write a song from scratch using the Get Songs Done method to demonstrate each step of the songwriting process. And because most of us are not multi-instrumentalists, I will teach you how to work with other musicians, how to do that remotely, and how to make those sessions fun and productive. There's two versions of the course, the standard and VIP. The VIP version has everything that the standard version has, but you also get to submit your song for me to review. I will capture my initial reactions to your song and my in-depth feedback to help you get even better at songwriting. So basically, you'll get your personalized Vlad Reacts video and some encouraging feedback to help you grow as a songwriter. And until the end of 2021, Catpick Fridays listeners can get a special 40% discount on either versions of the course by using the code 2021 upon checkout. Oh, and did I mention? The course comes with a full 30-day money-back guarantee, no questions asked. So sign up today and we will get songs done. Sorry, the joke was... It was right there, I had to. Oh yeah, being the true professional. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I gotta, I gotta mention a couple of things. First of all, I completely forgot to mention that the links are in the show notes to the the whole course. 
forgot to add that in the video. I definitely didn't edit that video yesterday uh, evening once our kids were asleep and in a bit of rush. I'm also like being professional and wearing exactly the same hoodie as we're wearing in the ad. So well done me. But yeah, links to the course in the show notes. And yeah, let's move on to... Oh, by the way, I should mention, you saw Rich in the trailer as well. He has been involved in creating this course as well. And he might be involved in a upcoming song release as well that kind of relates to the course. That is all I'm going to say. And next we're going to talk about virtual Jeff. Where's Jeff? Where's Jeff? There is Jeff. That's not Jeff. This is Jeff. Virtual Jeff, the digital whammy bar for any guitar. And there's a new updated Virtual Jeff Pro available. <laughs> is, is Jeff like some sort of English uh, name joke thing I'm not quite getting? Or is it just, is like Jeff a stereotype of some sort of something? What am I, what am I missing here? I don't know. I'm also missing something because I'm sure this has not been named seriously and I can't find any reasoning as to why it's called Virtual Jeff anywhere. And the guys who created it are not called Jeff. But the name Jeff is quite a funny name. So I don't know. Yeah. You know, and I, yeah. I don't say that in a a rude way about anyone named Jeff who may be watching or listening to this podcast. It's just uh it it just sounds kind of funny that this product has been named Virtual Jeff. Perhaps yeah, there was like, a famous the, player who originally used a whammy bar called Jeff something, and they called this the virtual Jeff. I don't even know. Did someone called Jeff create be. the original? It will remain a mystery yeah. to us until someone in the comments Indeed. tells us, I think. <laughs> yeah, Rick just commented. He was also wondering about the Jeff connection. Because like they're actually calling this virtual like in the article there's a photo and the text says virtual Jeff goes pro. Anyway, so basically it's a digital whammy bar that you can retrofit on any guitar. And yeah, it's a digital whammy bar, which is very interesting. You kind of should check the photos, how it looks. It's very difficult to describe, but you can attach it to almost any guitar. And yeah, apparently it won the best uh, in-show award uh, in 2016 at NAMM. Sure. And it also comes with a Virtual Jeff Pro pedal that allows you to have different whammy presets for it as well. And there's also a virtual cable, Fox chorusing effect by hold, and a blend mode. And all this might sound a little bit confusing, but the article ensures that the video below will clarify all of that. So, yeah, and apparently you don't have to mod your guitar either. Uh, right away, when I see the price, I'm way less interested. Sorry about that, Virtual Jeff Pro. But it's $5.99. $5.99. And available in 12 to 15 weeks. Okay, so it was going to be a NAM 2022 release. I mean, ah, it looks amazing. Yeah, that's... And the, the video yeah. for it is incredibly impressive. So the Virtual Jeff Pro takes no prisoners. It, it sounds just like a whammy bar and it can do way more than what, yeah. you know, an old school analog whatever whammy bar or Bixby can do. 
It sounds really, really cool. I love the idea, the concept behind it. It's actually an Australian guy who we can see on screen mm. right now, Peter Walker, I think his name is, who came up with the idea. Yes. And I think what he says in the video is that he actually mm. he wanted to be able to install a whammy onto his 66335, and now he can do that because mm. this is a, an item that can be easily fitted you kind of stick it onto the guitar behind the bridge. And I assume that the, the sticking technique is not using any glue that leaves a, a residue or anything like that. But yeah, yeah I would recommend anyone glue. to... <laughs> yeah, I would recommend anyone <laughs> who's interested to watch the video, which is on the, the page that we'll link to, because Peter does a variety of different playing techniques. He shows off the different sounds and the different options you have with the product. He sticks it on a, an old Strat, his old 335. He sticks it on different acoustic guitars. He does metal stuff with it. It sounds like a great product, but as Vlad said, the sticking point is going to be the fact that it costs 600 euros. I mean, a lot of people will be in the market yeah. for a, a guitar with whammy capabilities, but you can get a whole setup for 600 euros, can't you? This will probably be for people like Peter who have a beloved, possibly vintage guitar that they don't want to modify in any serious way and want to try the whammy mm. and have 600 euros spare to spend on it yep yeah that's the thing I'm like surprised for 600 that... euros you can no, buy on. like a very decent square or something with a whammy yeah. bar exactly it's, it's yeah. not the same i get that but i mean installation wise we're watching the video that looks is that it yeah, that's how that's you install it? it. It takes about 10 seconds, and there you go. He's demonstrating that you, you can wipe the glue right off afterwards, or the stickiness, or, nice. or whatever it is. So a very kind of non-dangerous idea for guitars. I, I guess it works on old nitro finishes too. I'm not sure if it's something that I would want to try if I had a very mm. expensive guitar like that that I absolutely didn't want to cause any damage to, but this looks yeah. super cool. I'm kind of surprised that we've not heard about it, seeing as it won Best in Show at NAMM 2016. Yeah. You'd yeah, I'm it would have really been on our curious radar like, a bit. how much they have sold. I mean, I could see some people absolutely loving this. It's it's a, a like a niche group of people who need this, but this could be a lifesaver for a lot of them. So I, I kind of get it. Oh, do you charge it as well by plugging it into a pedal? That's smart. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's a super cool idea. And I think what the guys here have done is solve a problem, which in a way yeah. doesn't really exist. It's just a super luxury <laughs> way of being able to add a whammy bar to other guitars. You know, it's, it, it's a cool thing. It's one of those non-essential yeah. niche inventions that is probably amazing and it will it will live on it will live or die on who uses it how cool they seem to be when using it and how many people think yeah i need to get one of those as well i mean imagine if you're a jeff you know if you want to do let's say tom morello type sounds this is an ideal mm -hmm. thing to do to get that you could of course just buy a digitech whammy pedal for for your guitar but um this is another choice yeah it's again something i would yeah, love like to try yeah, true. The problem is like it's very difficult to try. Like I bet this isn't available in the stores for you to try out. So no, I wouldn't have thought. But so. also, yeah, it's also like it has a virtual capo and a chorusing effect and a blend mode. So it can do a lot. It's it's pricey, but 
for some people, as I mentioned, could be a lifesaver. So yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> There's definitely goes to to like, yeah, sure, why not? I get it. I wouldn't I just don't need it myself type of thing. So sure. Yeah, cool yeah, so thing that's to have. Good. Yeah, and definitely. Yeah, when when NAM happens in June next year, I'll be making a beeline to go and check out Jeff and see how good he is in reality. <laughs> but will he be virtually there? Just he'll he'll just be there virtually, I think. That's the question. Or will be there a physical Jeff? So I think there will Jeff be a jokes. physical version of the virtual Jeff. But I, I'm not sure at this point. Yes, that is something for us to find out next June. I think maybe we need to shoot a video where we go and find the physical Jeff. I mean, it would definitely be a good but, video to actually find out why this pedal is called the Virtual Jeff. Yes, because no one seems true. to know. Maybe that's part of the fun. Maybe that's part of the fun, indeed. Yeah. Moving on to the next thing, Slate Digital has released a huge pack of free samples. And I actually ended up downloading a bunch of these. Let's jump to their website. Uh, I think they downloaded all of them. There's a bunch of like atmosphere things. There's a few like, uh, what's the word? Synthwave sound packs. Then there's drums. Ambient electronic sample packs, guitar kind of loops, and all kind of cool things. And as I mentioned, all this is for free. And by the way, we are not in any way associated with Slate Digital. Though Slate Digital, if you're watching, hit me up. We could do something together. Uh, yeah. I checked out some of the samples and I really enjoyed them. Like, uh, I've never actually, like, written a song by like grabbing a bunch of samples and using those to create something but unless my internet connection is broken tomorrow morning again uh stay uh stay ready stay alert something like a, like that i might be doing a songwriting live stream tomorrow on the catpick studios music channel where i will be taking some of these samples and start running a song with those so that could be a lot of fun. And yeah, really well-made samples, though I gotta say, uh, I don't think world needs a single 808 drum sample pack anymore. There's so, so many 808 sample packs and so, like, it's so overused by this point in all kinds of music that it it's becoming annoying a, a little bit. Like, there are the drum machines <laughs> in the world as well, not just the 808. So please use something else. Though these were also really well made, so you can use them. Don't listen to me. You can do whatever you want, but I'm just saying. And yeah, I enjoyed these a lot. Uh, have you ever written or tried writing anything with like sample packs? Me personally, no, I haven't. Yeah. I've never really been big into samples, which is strange yeah. because when I was a kid, I had a PlayStation 1, the original Sony PlayStation, and there was a game called Music where oh, really? you would literally build 
songs out of samples. You know, you'd have bars on the screen and you'd have samples that were a certain number of bars, you know, normally four, eight, 16, whatever. And you would put these samples together to make songs. And I had massive amounts of fun doing that, even though it was mostly electronic music and dance music related stuff, mm. which I personally didn't ever really listen to. And so I feel like I probably should get into something like this. So maybe this is something I can try. Which mm. would you recommend that I download? I see there's like 16 different packs that you can choose from. What would be most relevant to someone like me who likes rock music? Uh, I'd go with the Axe guitar sample pack. There were some cool like, guitar riffs that you can drop into your song. And yeah, I'll start with that. And, and but I have to mention, like I have also never like really gotten into samples. I like I've written some songs by using like a like a drum sample and then writing the song on top of that type of things. But otherwise, haven't really dived into that that much. But checking out some of the sounds that you could get from these packs, it was really inspiring. And I'm going to try and write something using those. So, but but yeah, I would cool. try the. Axe guitar sample pack. Then there was like a bass guitar one as well. I think, yeah, bass hole. <laughs> bass hole. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So those are were pretty cool as well. And then pair that those with some like drum packs. And yeah, there was like a bunch of samples in different keys in different tempos. And it's kind of it's a bit like grid based writing, if you will. So you just start putting yeah. stuff on the grid, make sure they're in the same tempo and stuff like that. But you're using Logic Pro as well, aren't you? Yes. Yes. So Logic um, is great about like it can take a sample and just automatically like adjust the tempo of that to some extent at least. Let's say it's at 100 BPM and your song is at 110 BPM, it can speed it up and you won't even notice. So that's cool. You know, thinking about it, I guess I have used samples in a way because I do use Easy Drummer 2 and I do use True. drum beats on that sometimes to inform how I write riffs or whatever so i mm. guess in that sense i have used samples i wasn't really thinking of easy drummer as being a sample thing but it is of course the same of course as this. it is yes yeah that's exactly what it is so so there you go so i yeah. have used samples and i still do use them yeah and i like i think i mentioned this in first second or third Catholic fridays episode ever back in the day when i was doing this as a solo act uh my first song, and I'm putting, putting that in quotes, was written on EJ, something like which sounds very similar to what you described on the PlayStation. But that was on a PC. It was basically just a collection of samples, and you could like stick them together and kind of write. Again, putting in quotes, write songs with that. And me and my brother did so many of those. And then we used like there was use the headphone out on our computer and run that into a like cassette recorder. And recorded our songs on the cassette. And that cassette might still exist somewhere. I probably need to dive into my dad's archives and see if I can find it. That would be really fun to find. Though I don't have a cassette player, so that's a challenge. Yeah, you'd have to somehow digitize that. Or just do some kind of live listening party or mm. something. Find the tape that's true. and play it for the, the Capric Studio Elites group. <laughs> That's, that's true. for elite listeners only. Yeah, that, that's definitely one way to do it. I totally agree. Yeah, but anyone listening and watching, go grab these. You never know when you might need them or like what they might inspire you to get. Because 
you have absolutely nothing to lose since it's completely free. There's no strings attached here or anything like that. You might be added to the email list, but you can also subscribe from that whenever you want to. So thank you, Slate Digital. This is really cool, and I'll probably be writing something with these very soon. By the way, each of the packs is like a gigabyte size download, so mm -hmm. like it's not going to fill up your hard drive that much, depending on your hard drive size that is, but still. Not like you tend to like everything is really well organized, so it's easy to navigate everything. So yeah. Links in the show notes to this stuff as well. But next, I think it's time to drive. Not drive. Dive. Let's not drive anywhere, but dive into richest album pick of the week in everyone's favorite album seg segment of Cat Pick Fridays. And also the only album segment of Cat Pick Fridays. <laughs> I'm so biased today. <laughs> Albums of our lives. Like plastic on a CD shelf, these are the albums of our lives. Yes. Yay. So and it's go ahead. My turn again. And this week's album alludes to my dark past as a ska punk fan. <laughs> well, I don't have a dark past or anything like that. And I still listen to some ska punk today. But this is a record that I have listened to semi religious, semi religiously, let's say, since it came out. It came out in 1998. So it's an old record now. It came out when I was yeah. 1998. I would have been 14, I guess, when it came out. It's Hello Rock View by Less Than Jake. And this is probably the least cool of all the albums of our lives that we featured on the show up to this point. But it is <laughs> one of the most fun. I absolutely love this record. Vlad, are you familiar with Less Than Jake? Uh, not by name, at least. But somehow this album cover actually looks familiar. So I, I need to check it out. They have uh, a couple of really famous songs. The, the most famous yeah. song of theirs is on this record. It's called All My Best Friends Are Metalheads. So if you've ever <laughs> listened to like a, a pop punk or a ska punk compilation from the, the early 2000s or whatever, this will be on there. Yeah. It's, a, it's an amazing song. Yeah, this is a record that is quite different to a lot of the other stuff in my collection because as you guys will know, I, I listen to a lot of more downbeat indie and I listen to a lot of punk stuff and I listen to a lot of folk as well, which we haven't talked about so much on the show yet, but we'll get into at some point. And Hello Rock View and Less Than Jake is just kind of the polar opposite of that in some days. It's super upbeat, super happy, super melodic, and super catchy. This album is catchier than hmm, COVID, maybe. I can't make that joke, can I? But it, it's, it's full of supremely catchy tunes and melodies. And one thing for me which is difficult with ska punk is that you have too many upstrokes, clean upstrokes on a guitar, and you have too many trumpets in the brass sections. Uh, there's no trumpets in the Less Than Shake brass section, at least not during this era. There was a saxophone and a, a trombone, I think. And the guitar player and singer, Chris DeMakes, is also a bit of a metalhead. So you don't get that much clean upstrokes. You get some songs that feature it quite heavily, but on a lot of the songs you don't get any of it at all. And you get a number of amazing riffs. He was influenced by people like Metallica and older punk bands like Operation Ivy, if any of you are familiar with those. And it makes for a really rocking ska punk record. And it starts with an amazing song called Last One Out of Liberty City. And it carries on in that upbeat vein. All the lyrics on the record were written by the band's drummer. And they were written about a four-year period in his life, I think, where he just went through things that 
young adults go through, you know, leaving your hometown, coming back to your boring hometown, relationships, jobs, having a good time, however you choose to do that. And that's what this record is about. And I've seen Less Than Jake live so many times. They always play a bunch of songs off this record because it's their classic. All My Best Friends Are Metalheads is the great famous single of theirs. But there's so many songs on this record that I would recommend. And for you, Vlad, for example, if you don't really like, you know, the scary elements of it, go for something like Great American Sharpshooter, which is just a punk song. But again, mm. it's infused with the melodic elements of Scar. So it's really, really catchy. And I made that terrible COVID joke earlier, which I, I take back immediately and apologize <laughs> for too. But it is melodies that stick in your head. And yeah, You know, once we started doing this segment on the show, The Albums of Our Lives, I went back and listened to a bunch of records. I don't think I've ever listened to as much music as I have since we started doing this. And I went back and listened to this record probably for the first time in a couple of years and everything was still in there, you know? You remember it exactly. And I still remember where I was when I saw the band for the first time at a festival and I remember other shows of theirs that I've seen. They're always a great live band. They're still out there doing it. I think they've been together now for almost 30 years. One of the best live shows I ever saw was them doing a co-headlining tour with Newfound Glory. Again, mm. probably diminishing my credibility as a, as a music fan on the show, but whatever, I don't care. <laughs> I'm an unapologetic pop punk and ska punk in this case fan. So yeah, Hello Rock View by Less Than Jake. If you don't know it, give it a listen, set aside your, your prejudices about ska music and, and give it a go because it's really cool and there are some amazing riffs on there as well. Boom. Boom. Yeah, I, I'm i going to say uh, All My Best Friends Are Metalhead sounds like a familiar song title. So it's probably on, on, a number of their songs are probably on Tony Hawk's skateboarding games, if you've ever played yeah, any of those. If, if, yes, I probably know the soundtrack by heart, although I don't remember all the like song names. Yeah, I that, don't know that, that for that's certain, but I'm what, guessing they're on there. I mean, timing-wise, so this was... Uh, 98 yes it could have been on when was the Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 released uh, somewhere around that time at least I think so shouldn't be too far from that I'm going to google that I find that quite an interesting thing to, to look at the, the Tony oh, yeah, Hawk soundtracks of course were amazing really really good yeah. songs amazing punk rock across those records Tony Hawk 2, I'm not seeing less than Jake, but I'm seeing Papa Roach. Yes, I was, just, I was just about to mention song. Papa Roach. <laughs> I think a part of that band's success has to be thanks to that game because they kind of gone underrated since then. But not like, they're still a pretty big band. I think they're still going on, but I think that, game especially the pro skater 2 game made them huge and then they yeah. kind of kind of disappeared a little bit after a bit after that but yeah yeah they sort yeah, of did get a ticket yeah i'm still scouting through google but i believe that wow tony hawks skateboarding has had some amazing bands and tracks on it we should probably oh, yeah. put those soundtracks as some of the albums of our lives yeah crazy good all My Friends Are Metalheads yeah. by Less Than Jake appears on Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4. So there you go. Uh -huh. I never played Pro Skater 4, but um, yeah. 
they've been on there. So it's that kind of band. So you know that if you dig that kind of music, you will like this. So give it a try. Yep, definitely. Uh, you also said that you um, you remembered the cover or recognized the cover in some way, and perhaps you did it because familiar for some reason the cover was was made, and the whole CD booklet is made like a comic book. And so you've got all the lyrics mm. written in there, but it's done in comic strips. So you've got characters speaking the lyrics and stuff. It's it's really, really good. I'm annoyed that I didn't <laughs> have the physical album with me to show you guys today, but there you go. Search one out for yeah. yourselves if you still do the whole physical albums thing. Definitely. Yeah, I'm so going to give this a listen because you get me interested. And I want to actually hear what I, all my best friends are metalheads. Is a song that I know... The name certainly sounds familiar, so we'll see. <laughs> also, the song titles are Help Save the Youth of America from Exploding. Yeah, it's That's... just... I think in these times, you know, in this pandemic yeah. era, having records that are also fun is very underrated. Yeah. When I put yes. this on, I was dancing around my living room. It's just... <laughs> I mean, it took me back as well, but even if you're hearing it for the first time, I think you can't help but get swept up by the relentless enthusiasm and the major key melodies that they use. There's also a bunch of great vocal harmonies on there as well. So the the guitar player and the bass player do brilliant harmonies too. Just nice. one more thing about the guitar player as well. I always remember back in the day that he used to play an Ernie Ball Music Man Axis guitar, mm. which I always thought was very metal. And, you know, he's a guy who loves metal guitar and he, he loves a bit of shred too. So that fit into the whole thing. A very cool band indeed. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. I'm going to check this out and I'm going to drop a link into the show notes for you to check out the Wikipedia page if you want to find out more about the band and the track listing and stuff like that. But obviously you can find this music on YouTube and streaming services. You know where to find your music, I think. I don't need to tell you where you can get it. But then it's time to jump to a section where you ask us questions. And it's called Questions and Comments. Questions and Comments. Yep. First of all, we're going to answer the question from the now-released Facebook group. And it comes from our friend Alexis Belli. And he's asking, which are our favorite black metal bands? And Rich, I'm going to let you go first. Uh, let me just go and get something out of my car. <laughs> no, don't worry. I, I have no answer for this. <clears throat> I'm not sure if I've ever actually listened to much black metal. I have an older brother who was into that kind of stuff when I was younger, and I never did. I would just default to Joss Allen and say, Joss, who are the best black metal bands out there? And he could tell us. I mean, unfortunately, I, I have no good answer here, and I apologize mm. for that. What about you, Vlad? Who are your top 10 black metal bands? <laughs> uh, Maybe your top 20. Oh, it's up 20. Cool. Um, thing is, like, it's uh, somehow black metal. Like, it's very difficult for me to categorize. Like, 
Uh, I actually had to search like the most famous black metal bands. And I knew most of them, but I didn't know they were considered as black metal. Like I know Immortal is black metal band and that's like a very black metal band, both like looks wise, the music wise. And I kind of sarcastically, ironically like them because they do all the face paint stuff and like silly poses on top of the snowy mountain thing. Uh, yet I can't tell whether they are like actually super serious about it or not, because it kind of looks silly, but also kind of I I can also appreciate that they're like so serious about it. So if I have to name a band, that's probably the one. Do I actively okay. actively listen to them? No, but every now and then it's fu- fun to check out a song or two from bands like that. Uh, but then, like, looking at the list, for example, Slayer was considered as a black metal band by some people, which I find weird, and I don't agree. Oh. To me, they're more like well, well, if metal. that would be the case, yeah, I would have called Slayer thrash, but they would have to be my favorite black metal band if they're black metal, because <laughs> I like a bit of Slayer. <laughs> yeah, if you want to get into some but arguments, they're not like black metal, asks, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. I think like next time somebody asks for a favorite black metal band, I'm just going to say Slay and just watch the world explode. <laughs> That's you might, yeah, you might as well say Papa Roach as Slayer, and you get the same <laughs> response probably. Yeah. Uh, uh, at some point, actually, like uh, when I was taking some guitar lessons from a local guy, guitar teacher. It's uh, 10 years ago, maybe even more. Uh, we were discussing, like, I mentioned that one of the things I want to improve is my, like, alternate speaking, just right-hand technique. And he actually, like, pointed out me to some, like, black metal riffs and bands to check out because those guys, like, right-hand is... It's like a marathon type of thing. They play fast. They play big chords that they kind of strum and pick really fast and... He kind of came up with some exercises to like practice like, string skipping and stuff like that, like all those kind of riffs. And I got a little bit into black metal in that sense, but I kind of it, it definitely goes into the category of like I can appreciate the art and I kind of enjoy it when the band isn't like extremely extremely serious about it and doesn't want to burn burn churches or kill their band members or anything like that. That's also part of Black Metal's history a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, I'm not like an active fan, but a great question. It really made me think. So I appreciate that. Thank you, Alexis. That was good. Yeah, and it's a great yeah, question. Great. I think even if we don't have an answer, um, True. from your research, Vlad, is the kind of maybe a classic Black Metal album that, we could be recommended to start with to check out the genre because I would be up for giving it a try. You know, I can do heavy. Yeah. And that's no problem. I just, I'm uninitiated <laughs> in the world of black metal. Well, I mean, Venom, I guess, is one of the original black metal bands. I, I just Googled the whole thing while we speak, but like Venom is one of the bands I probably also name as like black metal. And yeah, there's a, actually like, I just, Top 30 black metal albums of all time. Oh, uh, the first number go. 30 is a band whose name I cannot pronounce. De, is that Dirt Single? 
Yeah, there's an immortal album as number 29, Immortal Sons of Northern Darkness. Should we start with that one? Because Immortal is like, it's it's true black metal to be at least. You know, I yeah. just spent five minutes telling us how good and how upbeat and how fun the Less Than Jake record was. I kind of feel like <laughs> these records might bring me back down to earth with quite a big thump. Could be. Could be. Give us the top five of those top 30 albums. Let's do, let's do that. Uh, let's skip to the classics. Uh, number five is Dark Throne Under a Funeral Moon. By the way, I can share this view. Why am I not doing that? There you go. Yeah, do it. Dark I've Throne heard of Dark Under Throne. A I, I don't know if I've ever heard any of their stuff, but I, I've heard of them. Yeah, same for me. Okay. That I, I like. I also like that part of black metal is that it doesn't have to kind of. It kind of doesn't have to sound good. The mushier, the better. At least with some bands, that's kind of a thing. Okay. There's that. Uh, Doctor Rowan, number five. Uh, number four, dissection. Storm of the Lights. Bane, ninety-five. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like the band name. I a hope lot. a lot of it is tongue in cheek and done with a bit of humor. It must be. Some of them are, some of them are not, unfortunately. Ah. Uh, Mayhem, the Mysterious Dom Satanus, something like that. Uh, oh my yeah. God, read the, first, read the lines of text there. I just was reading them as you talked about it. Yes. Very yes, interesting. I was so just this, mentioning was, this that. is one of those more serious ones. I got it. Yeah. Wow. Interband yep. murder. So there's a story behind that <laughs> record. Blimey. <laughs> yeah. Number two is Bathory on the Design of the Black Mark. 1987. All of these are fairly old. Yeah. And number one is Emperor Anthems to the Welking at Dusk. Okay. Yep. I, I've heard, I've of, heard Emperor of Emperor too. as well. So the other couple of bands that I've heard of, again, mostly through my brother listening to them a lot when I was younger, who maybe have black metal bits, would be Cradle of Filth. I've yeah. been forced to listen to quite a bit of their stuff when I was younger. I, I was not hugely into it, but you can appreciate the musicianship there and the, mm. the vocal talents of Danny Filth, I think the singer's name is. And... Yeah, the other one was Napalm Death, who I always would consider to be grindcore, but you see them come up in black metal conversations or black grindcore as well. That's the thing about metal, isn't it? There's so many different pigeonholes and mini genres and everything is compartmentalized and put into little boxes and stuff. It's hard to know what's pure black metal. That's true. I didn't start. Perhaps, perhaps uh, you a Spotify mentioned... playlist would be somewhere to start. That's true. Yeah, because uh, like I think with Cradle of Filth, for example, some people don't think that's like true black metal because it's like too symphonic and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, there you go. Any any melody yeah. in it, and it's and it's no good. You see, there you go. I, it's yeah, tricky for but, me. It, that's true. But yeah, I've like I hate the whole metal genre uh, guessing game. Like, what's what and what isn't stupid, but. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. We just spent like 10 minutes discussing black metal 
and bo- both of us know nothing about Black Mirror. So thank you. That was interesting. Ho- or maybe we just lost like 15 subscribers. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. If we just Alexis, if you're still if you're still listening to us after we've shown ourselves to have no knowledge of your favorite genre for the last 10 minutes, maybe you can give us a recommendation for us to listen to as well. And we'll oh, yeah, give it a definitely. go. And maybe talk about it in a future episode. <clears throat> Absolutely. Uh, let's jump to a second question that was commented on last week's episode. Actually, I don't have a screenshot available, but it came from Nick B. And he commented on the previous Capic Friday's episode that I'm on the waiting list to get the King of Tone, but I'll definitely pick up the Joyo copy. So we were talking about the Joyo King of Kings, I think was the name, right? Unlikely. <laughs> yes, that, that. For those who don't know, last week when we checked out the article, the question was, will this Joyo pedal sound like King of Tone? And then the article answers, unlikely. <laughs> so there you go. Unlikely. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so he, the comment goes on. I'll definitely pick up the Joyo copy. The Joyo R series are seriously good pedals. I have full confidence that Joyo has made Equality homage to the King of Tone. First of all, Nick Big, thank you. And yeah, uh, Joyo makes very decent pedals. A lot of them sound Agreed. really good. Yeah. So, will, will it sound exactly like King of Tone? Unlikely. But Unlikely. Will this, does that mean that it will sound bad? Unlikely. That's the thing, isn't it? I mean, there there are so many, you know, Eastern pedal builder companies mm. who who are making designs often influenced by very strongly the classic designs that were built in America or in Europe or whatever. And you know, there are other companies like Nuex who both of us have featured on our channels. There's Joyo, and there's plenty of others, and they make great pedals. When it comes to the circuits yeah. of these especially overdrives, I think it's very easy for companies to get something which is basically exactly the same. And that's when we start talking about clones. But it's it's in the quality of the individual components that they put inside each of the pedals and, you know, the pedal and the casing itself that makes the difference. You know, mm, people talk about definitely. tolerance values. You know, chips and capacitors and resistors have different tolerance levels and certain builders, for example... Uh, Bill, oh, what's his surname? Mr. Klon. He goes Finnegan. for only things with minute tolerance percentages, so everything will yeah. basically sound the same. Whereas in a pedal maybe made by Joyo, and I don't know this, I'm just using this as an example, they might have a wider tolerance range, and you know it might go 5% either way, and that would mean that two identical resistors could be 10% away from one another, and that would make mm. the difference in tone that you can perceive with the human ear. Yep. Yep. So, and yeah, will it sound make like your the King of Tone? Yes. Will it be exactly dead on? Unlikely. Exactly. There you go. But yeah, thank you. I, I totally get the point comment I was making here, and yeah, me too. I mean, was it like, was the waiting list what four years? For King of Tone? When I, when I got like on that. the list, it was about three, and it's closer to four years now, which is very, very crazy when you think about it. And the thing is, you get yourself on the list, and when you've... He has on his website, his super old-school website, uh, the date 
And if you were on the list on this date or before this date, you can order a pedal. And I think a lot of people get on the list and don't buy it. And a lot of people just put themselves on the list and unfortunately choose to buy the pedal and then sell it for twice the price the day they get it. Yay. So that sucks as well. But we've already talked about scalpers on the show today when it came to the Boss Tone Bender pedal. But yeah, that's, that's a thing. Yeah. And with the King of Tone, because the demand outstrips the supply so much, there are so many people who want this pedal that's become a mythical, iconic thing you know, mostly because of the internet, that its prices will just carry on going up and up and up. And great business for Analog Man who who built the pedal, but for us yeah. mortal guitar players out there who don't have much money, it's a, it's a strange game. And I think, you know, companies like Joyo giving an alternative which is affordable to, to us is a great thing as well. Yeah. Without talking about, you know, copying designs or whatever. Mm. Yeah, on the other hand, I, I do like that. Like the whole thing is positioned in a way where kind of the value of the original analog man King of Tone kind of doesn't go down because of these copies, which is kind of cool in a way. So like you can get that sound for a more affordable price, but that the kind of ultimate thing still stays desirable. So it's a win-win situation in a way, I think. Yeah, exactly. It's it's the mystique thing about the brand, you know. Similarly with 50s Les Pauls or early yeah. Strats and Tellies or whatever, people can buy modern equivalents which are possibly built better, you know, which will last longer, which mm. have less problems, but people want that original thing. It's the mystique yep. and the marketing. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Are they better? Thank you. Unlikely. Exactly. I just came up with a t-shirt idea. <laughs> Can you guess it? <laughs> I think if you gave me three guesses, I could probably just about get there by the third guess. Yeah. That's good. That's good. All right. We should do some merch. Thank you so much though. for your... Com Sorry? We should do some merch, though. That's a good idea. Yeah. We, we got we to do that. I, I've been planning to do some like this show related merch, so that that's probably the first one we should do. Yeah, good. All right, before we wrap up, let's jump to everyone's favorite uh, Cat Pick Fridays related video recommendation segment. I don't know why I'm making these jokes. Like I lose the interest just listening to myself. But there you go. We can watch. Let's go there. Now. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Video. It's not like we have anything else to do. Yeah. This week's We Can Watch is not that one. Come on. Come on. There you go. It's a channel called I Hate Everything. And as you might have guessed, uh, this person dislikes stuff. And this time we're talking about superhero movies. And yeah, basically it's a channel that does like game and movie commentary. And it's it's not like hating hating in the kind of traditional internet sense. Uh, but yeah, he points out like the move the superhero movies from 2020. Oh boy, they were bad. They were so, so, so bad. And like just watching this video made me a little bit depressed of like 
how many superhero movies there are. They all look the same CGI mush that I couldn't care less of. So, yeah. I don't know. To me, the superhero movie genre feels a little bit dead, and I've, I'm kind of very pessimistic about any future superhero movie releases because of that. Uh, this video kind of proves that to me. So, there you go. Are yeah. you a big fan of superhero movies? Unlikely. I'm not, really. <laughs> I, I've just never watched them. I have nothing against them. I saw the first X-Men film many years ago. I've seen older Superman films. I don't know, do you count Star Wars, the original Star mm. Wars, as being superhero films? It's not, is it? The Jedi Knights or something mm, else? Unlikely. Yeah, no, I exactly. And I've just never watched that kind of stuff. I prefer yeah. slower films with normal people in them. And I often find that modern action films, God, I'm really sounding like a grumpy old man today, but <laughs> apologies for that. You're I really find revealing your true films, self. The editing is so jumpy that I have no idea what's going on. And I've seen trailers for the vast majority of these films too. And firstly, I think they spoil most of what happens in the film in the trailers. And secondly, mm. I have no idea what they're actually spoiling because everything is cut. It's like bam, 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 bam. Every split second are cut. You can kind of... Yeah. Is a James Bond film a superhero film? Is he a superhero? Uh, almost at least. Borderline. Yeah. I'd say. You can go through the different eras of James Bond films and nowadays when they fight and it's all dark and it's like wobbly camera and cut every 0.2 seconds, you just got no idea what's going on. In the old days, they just used to sit a camera down on a tripod and let two guys have at it and you'd see what was going on. Yeah, I really don't know what I'm talking about. I, I have no opinion on this. I'm going to watch the video and probably enjoy it. Yep. <laughs> the video is enjoyable and I like the channel. There's a bunch of other breakdowns he does of different films that what's, are what's your just... opinion on channels like this commentary channels who clearly steal other people's intellectual property by showing them on youtube videos like this to make money uh, i mean it, i think it falls into cat category of like it's kind of movie not movie reviews but movie commentary and like industry commentary and i think that's kind I, f I find it actually more interesting like than a traditional movie review, for example. And yeah, because yeah, you kind of, I feel like watching this person's videos for a while has made me like learn a lot about the movie industry and how incredibly stupid it can be sometimes and how some of the studios have, like they ac accidentally sometimes end up getting a hit movie and then they have absolutely no idea what to do with it next, what to do with the characters that people liked in the first one and they just spew out something as with this movie it seems because just watching the clips from this movie make me dislike it and I kind of like the Wonder Woman one a little bit when it came out, I think it was fine yeah, the newest better than one average got, the newest one got terrible reviews didn't it yeah, I still listen to um, a very famous BBC radio show about films. Uh, 
Simon Mayo and mm. Mark Kermode's film reviews, and, and that's where I get a lot of my information from. And, and they do all the action films as well as the more art housey things, and they say similar things to what you've just said. You know, it's. Mm. Uh, I, I think it's also a generational thing. I think a lot of these yeah. modern superhero films are made for people younger than me because I have to admit that there is a generation younger than me a generation who grew up with iPads and Snapchat and TikTok and they have different attention spans and different approaches to what they need to see to to enjoy a movie you know so yeah I actually have to kind of if not disagree but add to that I feel a lot of these movies are actually aimed for our generation because a lot of us I'm not included because Marvel comics weren't available in Finland when I was a kid. Like, just weren't. Or if they were, they were super expensive and nobody in my circles read them. But if you grew up in the US, for example, like, that stuff was everywhere. Everyone read, like, some sort of, like, Marvel or DC comics. And they know the characters. And there's so much, like, nostalgia thing going on with these movies. Like, just remember your childhood. This was great. This was great. This was great. And, like, that's what they're kind of going for. And that's like, like that's something that this person also mentions like right from the start because we're like so like so crazy about the whole nostalgia thing that like you can see that in the way the movies are produced now. Yeah, that's interesting because when I was a kid I didn't read superhero stuff. I read yeah, football magazines and I read the the Bino comic every week and that was you know, comics about just normal kids having adventures and doing stupid stuff. And the football stuff was about people playing football. So it's a different thing. Yeah. Maybe I would be totally into superhero movies had I been into superhero comics as a boy. Mm. The only one I remember really being into, and that was through listening to audio books, was He-Man. Is that mm. a superhero or is that a fantasy thing? I don't even know. I, th I think that's a superhero, but I don't... Have they done? I don't think they've done like a, a live action movie, except the one that there was a movie like, like in the years 80s, old with, Yeah, like Dolph Lundgren was the <laughs> he man yeah, with his that was the one. Swedish accent, and I love him as an actor. By the way, like uh, he was in what's the movies Expendables? Like he fully embodied. Like he really like took in that. Hey, yes, I used to be a superhero in eighties. And posed in silly costumes, shirtless, in like He-Man movies and stuff. Like he fully embodied that into his role in Expandables, and I really appreciate that. But I mean, look at that—that's like CGI mush. Things just happen. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, what 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 are they doing? What's going on? I mean, I'm pretty I sure this know. video is not showing the film in a chronological order. But still, no, no, it's, just... it's not. <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to do that. What's this? So bad. What is that? <laughs> yeah, but check it out. Check the video out. It might make you depressed or might make you dislike us because we're hating on your favorite film. I'm sorry for that, but it's just our opinion. We're not no, huge I mean, fans of this. Like I said, I mean, I don't think either of us hates superhero films. It's just, nope. it's a taste thing, isn't it? Yeah, I, I respect and a I lot mean, of the like, actors you, you, who are in these movies and a, a lot of the directors who make them who have made other kinds of films as well which I prefer but mm. 
Yep. This is just so, what people want to see these days. And also for movie studios, it's a very lucrative business to be churning mm. out superhero movies every year that you can get the whole family into the cinema to go and see. And with X-Men and with Marvel, how many films are there now? Lots. You know, there's a whole universe with a bunch of movies, loads of things of going them. on and new things coming out every year. And now we see, you know, brands like Disney doing that with the Star Wars franchise, bringing out more and more family-friendly yeah. movies. And it's a great money spinner, that's for sure. That's, that, that's for sure, but it's also, I don't know, Star Wars has been a ruin for me just a little bit because of that. So Yeah, I mean, I have to say for me as well. For me, the original three, the yeah. original trilogy, that was where it's at. But <clears throat> possibly just showing my age again a little bit. I think we can lean to uh, becoming a bit older and grumpy. That's part of the process, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's not like I was even alive when the original Star Wars came out or anything. I'm not that old yet. Yeah, that's yet, the thing. Yeah, let's be grumpy old men. Yeah, that's the conclusion of this show today. And yeah, <laughs> thank you so much for watching and listening to two old grumpy men saying, oh, we don't my like lawn. Yes, get off my lawn with your CGI movies. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Let's As talk about music all next the links. week. That's true. Yes. Old music. All of this music. modern stuff with drum machines. <laughs> if it wasn't recorded on an 8-track, it's not real music. Nope. Nope. Unlikely. All right. Thank you so much for watching and listening and commenting and all of those things. Everything we mentioned here in the show is available in the show notes, so check those out. And once again, I remind you that there's a special discount for Cat Pick Fridays, viewers and listeners, for the Get Songs Done songwriting course. So be sure to check that out as well. And yeah, links to everything in the description. Uh, in the I did that again. Oops, I did it again. That would be a great line for a song. Again, showing my age. I think that song mm -hmm. came out in 80 or 98 or something. 2000, 98, 99 or 2000, I think. Yeah, you might be lucky. It might be this century, but it's probably pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So there you go. On that note, thank you so much for watching and listening. And bye, podcast. Bye, podcast. <laughs>